arrived Brando style in industrial work boots, jeans tight as a sunburn, and a black leather bomber jacket over a white t-shirt, the uniform of ACT UP. His youth disarmed me. He looked like a teenager, not yet able to grow a beard, but he displayed a researcher's grasp of his own cellular tapestry and a facility for rendering complex immunological principles into everyday language. He was anything but self-pitying. Reaching into a canvas army surplus bag, he spun a sheath of his lab results across the table, accompanied by a line from Betty Davis that was lost on me. Until recently, Cox had learned much of what he knew from the movies, especially those of the 1940s and 50s, or the theater, which had been the subject of his aborted education. Over the ensuing years, he became a principal source for much of my AIDS reporting and among the most effective treatment advocates in the field. But a seminal achievement came in the area of biostatistics. It was Cox who conceived the drug trial innovations that in record time helped to bring to market the therapies that stopped HIV from being an automatic death sentence. He claimed no credit for this, and until shortly before his death, only a few insiders were aware that a self-taught person with AIDS, by training an actor, had made this history-changing contribution. Since that stunning breakthrough in 1996, the new treatments had reached millions of people worldwide, returning to them the promise of a near-normal lifespan. Some had just been breaths away from their own deaths. But after a few weeks on treatment, they rose from their hospital beds, and against all reasonable expectation, went home to resume an ordinary life. So dramatic was their resurrection that stupefied doctors began calling it the Lazarus Effect. And yet the pharmaceutical marvels Cox fought so hard to bring into existence failed him in the end. His infection proved to be resistant to many drug combinations. The country's best doctors tinkered with salvage regimens specifically for him, accomplishing numerous barely-in-time rescues. For over half his life, Cox careened from one medical trauma to another, maintaining his darkly comic facade, though in recent years he had grown weary. The last time I saw him, he spoke of feeling run down. When he checked into the hospital a few weeks later, his viral load was overbearing, and his T-cell count, which had been in the healthy range, had sunk to just 30, putting him at risk for a host of fatal infections. Doctors diagnosed hypoglycemia, and severe pneumonia. By the following Tuesday, 44 years old but racked and worn as a guerrilla commandant, he died from multiple complications of AIDS. So went the global AIDS pandemic in its fourth decade. A precise number of the dead can't be fixed, as the majority have fallen in areas of sub-Saharan Africa unknown to doctors or census takers. At the time of Cox's death, the body count was as high as 40 million, which is nearly twice the devastation of the bubonic plague that threatened humankind in the 14th century. In the United States, the official count was 658,507 dead by the end of 2012, an approximate figure, despite its ring of precision. In the early years especially, many people were declared dead from other causes in order to spare the relatives from stigma or because doctors mistook the symptoms or the deceased went down as suicide statistics instead, having chosen pills or bullets or the high-rise window over the inevitable. Though so much has changed, so much is still the same.
Around the globe, two million people still die from AIDS every year because the cost of the effective medicines under a dollar a day is prohibitive. In America, where the price is 50 times higher, a federal law provided the treatment to indigent patients since 1987, adopted under intense lobbying by gay leaders, though access to the medicine was spotty nonetheless because a prescription was required and many could not afford to visit a doctor. The year Cox died, 13,711 other Americans were claimed by AIDS. As in the epidemic's very first year, most belonged to communities that were stigmatized, marginalized, feared, or hated. Cox had begun his journey through the plague as a gay man at a time when most Americans supported laws criminalizing homosexuality. He finished his life entirely dependent upon social services for his day-to-day -day living and on probation for a criminal conviction after a dissent.